Hello friends, welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coton, an interaction designer at EPAM Continuum. In my work life, designing digital tools and systems for businesses, we talk a lot about the proportion of craft and stuff in employees' workdays. The balance of the work people love, that they're good at, where they have expertise, against the time-wasting busy work that gets in the way of all that. Obviously, the good stuff should win. Nobody wants to feel like a machine on an assembly line, and opportunities for creativity and initiative are key to quality and retention. So how can we make compliance, that traditionally stuffy discipline, a space that supports employees to bring their full intellect and their best selves to the puzzle? And how might automation fill the gaps? In today's episode of Silo Busting, Boris Hazen, our global head of DRM services, talks to Carl Viertel, CEO and co-founder of Align, about what a workplace focused on digital risk management could look like, and why that's not a future employees who value using their brains should dread. Risk management is becoming more complex in the digital space as our data use, interconnected systems, and automated processes become ever more far-ranging and flexible. Straightforward box checking around regulations and carrot-and-stick financial penalties for non-compliance support obedience to the letter of the law but not the spirit, breeding unsafe workarounds and obstructionist siloing. You know how we feel about that around here. Let's hear Viertel explain how we might leverage humans' capacity for collaboration and strategic thinking to make DRM the stimulating lifeblood of organizational processes. We'll leave the box checking to the machines. Hey, everyone. Great to be here. My name's Carl Viertel. I'm a CEO and one of the co-founders of Align. We're a software as a service company based out of Munich, Germany. And we're like the mission control for uh, individuals looking to manage cyber and operational risk across their organizations. Perfect. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. So um, uh, I'd like to begin with, uh, as always, uh, sort of uh, uh, describing a little bit about uh, how we view digital risk management and then jump in a few questions uh, with you, Carl. So. Uh, perfect. So um, the way we see digital uh, risk management is it's the evolution of GRC, ERM, IRM uh, as the next phase in that, uh, you know, we're all aware that GRC uh, pretty much started in the early um, 2000s, uh, evolved uh, with uh, I IRM and ERM, and now we, we see the new evolution and uh, uh, DRM being digital risk management, we, we're introducing the digital aspect to those three uh, in a, a significant, more, uh, much more uh, manner than they have uh, themselves. In that, um, we're pretty much saying that you cannot have a GRC, ERM, IRM um, uh, process and procedures anymore without having automation or a digital platform uh, associated with it. It's just the, the amount of um, uh, work uh, and automate uh, would that would be required without automation is just overwhelming. I mean, you would have to hire an I army. Agree. Yes. <laughs> you would have to hire an army of uh, uh, lawyers for compliance, uh, uh, you know, analysts all across the board to be able to handle it. So that's the first uh, aspect. The, the second aspect uh, we see uh, in the evolution is that uh, you need a enterprise-wide uh, system. Now, whether you use different uh, siloed-based systems uh, because you want the optimal uh, platform or uh, create your own is okay, but you still need that umbrella 
uh, overlay uh, that captures all the necessary information from each uh, business unit and each silo and produces a general enterprise-wide uh, GRC platform. Uh, uh, and then the next level is a significant shift uh, left on when you introduce uh, G- uh, GRC ERM, IRM aspects into your SDLC lifecycle in that uh, you have such a sig- uh, significant um, uh, requirements for uh, all of these uh, aspects that including them early as part of your design for any new platform, any new updates, uh, anything within the IT just becomes a necessity to ease the pains and all the pain points um, uh, that are as associated uh, with uh, uh, proper GRC and trying to do it after you develop, uh, you know, your different uh, IT buildouts and platforms. So, with with that said, my first question uh, to you as uh, CEO uh, um, is: Digital risk management, based upon these uh, aspects, the evolution of GRC, ERM, IRM. Yeah, no, I I really like the term, right, digital risk management, because um, I think it falls into, you know, some current development or current monikers that are used in the or widely used in the industry like digitalization, right? Um, To be honest, um, to a degree, I'm personally not that passionate about exactly which term is used, right? Because it does come down to actual practice and reality. And we like to look at it sort of from three perspectives, this DRM um, sort of capability. And as you know, with uh, always, you have to look at people, process and technology. And I think the DRM holds true with all three of those dimensions, right? If you think about people, um, digitalization is seldomly a technology problem. In most cases, it is a people challenge, right? Are the people ready for a change, ready for adapting new capabilities, new processes? And so focusing p- uh, on the people within traditional GRC processes, I think, incredibly essential, right? Be that from the way you gain insights to data, be that from the way that you interact with a platform, you bring in the business units in the first line of defense. Um, across the, the user groups, I think um, people need to be at the front and center. And that's something that we believe very deeply in uh, at Align, and that was a key part of how we designed our product. Now, from a process perspective, I think the digital aspect cannot be obviously excluded, right? Because if you think about where um, m- uh, the majority of risk, the majority of compliance elements really addressed today, it is in the IT, right? It is seldomly really an actual process or, or practices from uh, that are that are still manual, right? They are very much ingrained with digital processes and enterprises. So I think. DRM from a process perspective makes total sense. And last but not least, technology, all right? We do have more interconnectedness. Um, we're moving from, you know, the traditional um, IT in the basement or data center model to uh, this sort of, you know, cloud-first uh, SaaS ecosystem where, uh, you know, applying traditional uh, GRC controls around, you know, who gets to, uh, you know, who has a key to the data center is no longer really your focus point. So bringing the technology aspect into the digital age is uh, equally as important. So I think the DRM moniker really works across all of those three dimensions. 
Yes, uh, thank you. Um, so, uh, and one of the um, uh, ideas that we were uh, that I pr uh, presented as a D a DRM is that breaking silos. You know, um, yeah. Uh, whether whether it's by uh, you know, c clearly there's different ways to do that. Uh, you know, whether you have one platform across the whole enterprise or you pick within your business units or as they call them, different silos within your organization, you have multiple uh, platforms, but you still feed it into a centralized system. Um, what, uh, uh, how would you view that uh, as an, a, an approach? And uh, mm. based upon your experience, uh, which do you think is the best um, method? For that. Yeah, well, we also like to um, view this from a perspective of the people that are actually accountable for these processes, right? So the people in the various second line functions, and I and we believe that there's a bit of a generational shift. You know, you mentioned sort of the the early days of GRC in the early two thousands, where you know the second line of defense, you, you might have had the luxury to be sort of in your ivory tower and sort of decree from the mountaintops that you know henceforth shall be known. Um, this is the policy to follow, and I think that that's just not the reality in uh, in enterprises uh, today, right? There, there's a younger generation, there's a new generation that see themselves as enablers of executing business processes in a safe and compliant way, as opposed to you know hinderers of uh, of business and if you think about um, that mindset, that also means you need to work closely with the other second line functions, right? Because if everyone's, you know, just a very simple example, everyone does their own little assessment and sends that out to the uh, first line application owners or uh, business people, you're not going to make new friends in the enterprise. Um, so a way of uh, integrating and, and combining those uh, interactions and questions to the, uh, to the uh, first line and gaining um, individual insights uh, from a common platform, I definitely believe is the future. But um, again, I believe that people um, lead technology follows, right? I mean, establishing a, uh, uh, a system, you know, breaking down silos, establishing a system across the, uh, the second line, you know, that technically that's not an issue. It's just onboarding new users and maybe some more access control, but the, uh, um, the process, the people, that's where I think the silos need to be broken down. Right. Um, uh, no, I, I totally agree. And uh, to continue with that viewpoint, uh, uh, you know, I really see that, um, even though you uh, you may have uh, the different silos, it's really a uh, upside down triangle. In that, uh, the, within the silos, you know you have the the people addressing the uh, risk, the governance, and the compliance requirements for their organization within that specific uh, viewpoint. And as you move up in seniority, all the way up to the C level. Uh, the amount of things that they, the information that those managers need and um, how they need to assess the risk and uh, the compliance uh, aspects starts to increase. So if you don't have uh, that uh, umbrella view across the whole enterprise at this, the C level, uh, you know, how are they going to make the proper decision on mm. Uh, you know, running the business, addressing the risks, addressing the uh, understanding of all the governance aspects. Uh, would uh, would you agree with that view? 
Yeah, I mean, I I really like the uh, the sort of information upside down triangle uh, yeah. picture that you have there. Um, look, our our view is that the common interface between all those levels is uh, cold hard cash, right? I mean, that's how you run a business. It's money. And uh, what that means for a risk individual is that we need to be able to express risk and money. And obviously, the uh, uh, the art, some might say, with which to do that is risk quantification of non-financial risk, right? And so this is a huge topic for us at Align, and it's been a, a huge focus point for, um, uh, for for our product and you know our conversations with customers, right? So we, we firmly believe that if you can enable the second line to articulate the risk um, in a value at risk um, KPI through uh, aggregation, through simulation, by um, getting a better understanding of your risk exposure, your uh, at the same time, your risk-bearing capacity, and how you plan to reduce that by um, coordinated mitigation actions, we believe that that is um, what will really give um, the second-line individuals a strong voice uh, with the C-level. Um, so uh, I think uh, risk quantification is certainly the key to, uh, for information flowing uh, efficiently uh, in that upside-down pyramid. Yep. Uh, and I, I, again, totally agree with you. And uh, just to re- reiterate your point, and I think uh, bringing down to assessing risk on a money level, uh, we saw that significantly uh, be the truth with uh, the release and activation of the uh, California Consumer Protection Act in that w- uh, when you look at the fines that they are were willing to assess to uh, indivi- uh, firms that uh, failed or did not comply, you know, of being uh, 2,500 to 7,500 per person per incident, you know, if you have a million uh, customers in California, uh, which is perfectly reasonable being uh, that it's, you know, the fifth largest economy in the world uh, just by itself. Um, uh, you have everybody scrambling and, you know, uh, all of these firms uh, popping up and addressing this issue, legal firms, uh, you know, becoming very studious and knowing how to address this. Uh, you know, the, the fines themselves pretty much set uh, how much effort firms uh, put into uh, addressing this requirement? Look, I'm I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that one. Um, like, obviously, fines are a really easy way of putting a a dollar figure on a compliance task, right? I mean, obviously, uh, we're all you know in the compliance and risk space, and you know we're we're certainly in most cases, not generating actual bottom line revenue for uh, for our customers with that capability, right? It's all about risk aversion or risk management. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some, some truth to, uh, you know, looking at fines and articulating basically the cost of compliance and the cost of non-compliance through fines. But I think that actually slightly more sophisticated quantification can actually quantify other risks to the business apart from paying fines, right? And, you know, if you look at the CCPA, um, you know, I think there's a significantly uh, increased awareness for ownership of data and privacy rights, uh, you know, in the EU and certainly now also in the in the US. So reputational damage can be a huge issue. Um, it, you know, potentially also uh, the uh, mitigation costs of uh, dealing with a breach and, you know, the fallout of, you uh, 
repairing what essentially was broken through a potential breach is, you know, certainly also a cost to be contributed. So if you bring that all together um, and then uh, apply, you know, some statistical uh, methods such as uh, uh, Monte Carlo simulations across the portfolio, I think that's when you actually get to a much more meaningful value at risk KPI that you can talk to the board about, uh, you know, because it's always really easy to say, well, um, you know, we've got good lawyers. I don't think we're really going to pay the fine. <laughs> right. Uh, and that uh, that makes uh, total sense to me. So uh, based upon that, um, you know, uh, I, th- I think uh, sort of leads into my next question to you is, uh, what do you think is the best way to enhance the risk management? Uh, you know, so uh, clearly the first step is uh, understanding and bringing it into a sort of dollar value assessment. But what, uh, what are the other items? Yeah, so there are a few things that uh, I think would be taught high on my list. And, and you know, you rightly pointed out quantification and uh, being able to articulate a dollar value, I think, is, uh, is a really core one. I think uh, the other, and this is bringing back to our initial point around DRM, is certainly getting the right data sources, right? You also mentioned initially, you know, uh, uh, running a full capa- uh, capacity uh, GRC would, you know, require an army of people. And uh, I'd even go further and say, you know, the army of people you might be able to get, but um, what would you be paying them for? You know, copy pasting Excel or actually doing, uh, you know, some smart work to actually mitigate the risks in your organization. Um, so I think uh, including the right data sources and making the insights actionable for the smart people you have in your second line roles is, uh, is really key. And then last but not least, I think it comes down to collaboration, interaction, and what the uh, regulator here in Germany likes to call an active risk culture. All right, so making it as easy as humanly possible for someone in the front line, someone in the in the business unit who actually is um, experiencing or seeing something that may create risk for the organization, for that person to interact in a appropriate and um, contextual way of uh, alerting that risk in a technology platform such as a line. Um, and so what uh, one of the things that we observed is uh, the challenge is that data is ho- uh, risk and compliance data is horrible to consume. Um, and most systems aren't really that pleasant to interact with. On the other hand, you watch people, you know, uh, walking around consuming enormous amounts of information on their phones, um, because social media is really good at displaying information and making it consumable. And so one of the things that we firmly believe in is we need to take all of that, um, that smarts and that great user interaction that you know from social media and uh, apply that to the risk and compliance processes. And that's how you really bring in people um, into these processes, get them actually contributing information, helping you um, make sense of data and actually make risk aware decisions. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, a great point, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, why uh, we believe that the digital aspect is very important so that you do allow uh, individuals to be uh, utilized in where they're the most useful in analyzing the risk and addressing it Agreed. rather than trying to figure uh, figure it out. Um, so uh, based, uh, based upon the that I also wanted to uh, come back uh, and sort of ask, um, 
when we uh, when we break the silos, which we we clearly both uh, agree that it's uh, very important because um, uh, a company needs a unified um, uh, measurement of uh, risk and a unified uh, governance and compliance, so that information mm-hmm. information isn't uh, you know done in a uh, one silo, one method type of. Uh, um, viewpoint but it's the the same so the information adds value across the whole enterprise um do you feel that uh, having multiple systems and adjourning them to one um one methodology is okay or do you see <clears throat> that um maybe having one platform across the whole enterprise is the better direction. <laughs> well, Boris, I'm a little bit biased here because, of course, I believe that the entire world should be running a line. Right. <laughs> in all seriousness, um, yeah. I think there's certainly value in uh, leveraging a platform to its full capa- uh, capability, right? I mean, one thing that we do experience is, um, you know, some organizations, uh, when they're running RFIs or RFPs, having, you know, incredibly complex requirements and um, and sort of aspirations and what comes down to sort of reality, um, the, uh, the usage is significantly more simple. All right. And so I think anything that can get you pragmatically using technology to, in the way it was designed and to increase your insurance insights and reduce your risk, then I think that's a good thing. Right. right? I think, uh, there are probably um, different cultures, different organizational structures, you know, some might lend themselves more to a centralized, uh, you know, unified um, system, and others, you know, still might be slightly heterogeneous. One thing that I would say is that I would always um, uh, favor a solution where you still might have a few solutions out there, but you're generating value and assurance insights quickly, as opposed to sort of the uh, 36 month uh, big bang, change the world, try to deliver, uh, you know, the the perfect solution of everyone's dreams. Uh, because the the reality is, is that the change velocity in organizations is happening so much faster than a 36 month uh, GRC implementation project can right. model that reality in the system. So there's, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not a black or white answer on this one. Um, but uh, I think anything that uh, has sort of an 80-20 approach where the 80% is delivering assurance insights fast, um, I believe has a lot of merit. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I think we, we covered those, all of aspects of digital risk management. Let's move on to, uh, the, uh, sort of the SDLC cycle, uh, what we, uh, yeah, exciting we, stuff. Yes. Uh, what we, uh, like to, uh, call, uh, uh, you know, uh, call, uh, compliance as a code or compliance, uh, within design, uh, in that, you know, we feel that digital risk management uh, uh, as a pr- uh, overall process uh, really pulls in the all the GRC aspects into your SDLC cycle uh, as you build them out. So, mm. you, you know, you're including the governance, the risk, and the compliance within, so it's much easier 
to have that feed into your GRC platform, as well as it, uh, you know, uh, gathers the information, just like you said, that is, that would be required uh, from yeah. the, um, from that platform uh, into that. Uh, and, Clearly, with all the privacy requirements and the cybersecurity requirements, include as part of the risk uh, overlay, include the cybersecurity within your development of each platform, which allows you for a, a much easier uh, management of those risks, uh, you know, platform by platform. So, uh, what do you think of that uh, aspect mm. of digital ra- uh, risk management? Is it uh, pretty much now in line with what standard SDLC should be? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really exciting uh, topic for a number of reasons. And one is that software development, it, you know, compared to a lot of other enterprise processes is very deterministic, right? So it's, it's very straightforward, very streamlined. There's so much methodology because, you know, obviously IT people like to, um, you know, uh, think like machines. So there's a huge opportunity to really move DRM in this space to what, in my view, um, a GRC or sort of controls management should be, which is preventative in nature, right? And uh, actually, uh, our own practices at Align are a great example for that. So um, we actually have a um, completely automated uh, deployment uh, capability right into all of our environments. So if uh, one of our uh, developers, for example, checks in new code or wants to deploy it to a uh, to a dev or test environment, um, then there are a number of checks. So there are uh, thousands of automated test cases. There's uh, code linting. There's code security analysis based on uh, the OWASP uh, uh, sort of uh, key controls. Um, also, really exciting stuff like um, uh, automated checks for uh, the appropriate uh, Creative Commons for uh, open source code. So, all sorts of cool stuff. And basically, it prevents any code from being deployed if not all of those um, control checks go to green. Um, and so, in, inherently, that is a preventative control, right? And that's you know sort of the dream, right? That you have processes that can actually no longer be executed in a non-compliant way in the organization. Um, so, you know, obviously it is, um, slightly simplified because, uh, you know, the reality becomes a little bit more complex when you actually have, you know, a multitude of people, um, involved such in, you know, maybe a trading process, uh, or, or something similar. Um, but I do think that it's a great place for digital risk management to, uh, to kick off. Um, you know, the tools are digital, the, uh, data available is great. Um, and it brings us to sort of a preventative control nature. So, uh, you know, it's an area that we're really excited about. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, based upon uh, this di- Thank uh, discussion, you so much, Dave. Uh, let's talk you know, again soon, I, right? I'll Sounds great. Thanks a lot for the time. Uh, the, the, you know, from your uh, conclusion and uh, uh, of this conversation, I assume you, uh, you know, agree that digital risk ma- management is the next evolution of GRC. But uh, you know, what is the the key takeaway? I think, uh, you know, from your perspective, that digital risk management as the next evolution of GRC needs to uh, address uh, to add even um, you know significant value. Sure, um, I think my 
my key takeaway still is putting people front and center, right? Um, uh, you can, uh, you know, tr have a, a chief digital officer and you can run digitalization programs until your money runs out. Um, if you're not bringing the hearts and minds of uh, people on board, uh, you'll probably fail. And I think the same is true for uh, digital risk management. If you're not winning hearts and minds uh, in the front line in the business units, uh, you'll probably fail. So, uh, uh, with all the great and cool technology out there, uh, don't forget the people. Yes. So, uh, uh, and yeah, I, I, I totally agree because any adaptation of new processes and procedures or systems needs to really come from the top and become the culture. And when you talk about culture, it is the people of the organization. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in agreement. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, I think we're, uh, we're coming down, uh, you know, to our time running up. I would like to thank you for joining me on this podcast discussing. Of course, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business experience and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Boris Hazen and Carl Viertel for their great conversation. Cheers to Kit Palalas, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for all his masterminding behind the scenes. I'm your host, Allison Coton, and I'm off to build a spreadsheet.